Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Obviously a familiar passage that we're, we've all read or memorized or teach in Sunday school and uh, I've learned about before, but one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, in, the, in these few verses I should say, is Philippians 2, 5 through 8. You know, all my life, and I guess most of us could say this, all of us have you know, aim to be like somebody, aim to, whether we're growing up or even in our uh, younger years, we look up to somebody and we strive to be like that person. We aim to go in the direction they're going and go down the same path that they're going. I remember being a kid and obviously being a uh, a big sports fan and looking at the uh, different athletes and uh, being a, a big Yankee fan and uh, looking at all the players and playing Little League and uh, trying to you know, do the same stances that they have and get the same glove and gear and equipment that they have and just trying to emulate them and uh, what they do and how they play the game. I remember in football, one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time uh, was Brett Favre and uh, watching him as a kid uh, pop his shoulder out on one play, go on the sideline and see the trainer pop his shoulder back in place, go back out in the field the next play and throw a touchdown. And I remember thinking, man, this guy... He's got a heart, guts, and, uh, you know, looking at him and wanting to, you know, be like him when I played football with my friends and always striving and emulating to be, be like somebody. But as I grew older, you know, you look at different, uh, men in your life and, you know, I think about my dad and his work ethic and realness and love and passion and try to strive to be like him and our pastor here and his faithfulness and his hard work and a preacher and a student of the Bible. Uh, my brother and his wisdom and good advice and sincerity and his and love for God and uh, the great advice he would give me growing up. My grandfather, uh, who passed away, and uh, was a family man and a hard worker and just humble, loved the Lord. Mr. Vasek, who I still look up to this day, was a hard worker, faithful, sincere, always in his place. And there's these men that I always strive to be like and emulate, emulate and uh, pattern my life after and go the same direction that they were going in. As I went to college... Uh, there were several teachers and profess, uh, professors and pastors that I uh, looked up to. We all know Brother Ray Young, who uh, preaches at our church um, every year. And remember listening to him in chapel and growing up in our church listening to him preach. And then going to Bible college and learning under him. And Pastor Wilkerson, who we got the pleasure of hearing uh, this past camp meeting. And the most sincere, humble Christian you might ever meet. And just soul winner, loves the Lord. And all these men that I just wanted to be like and wanted to follow after. But as you grow older, and most of us can testify, you learn one thing, that unfortunately all those examples that I listed and named at the end of the day are just men. And at the end of the day, we're all sinners. Everyone fails. Everyone you know, will let you down. I'm not saying it's bad to have a role model or someone you look to. That's great. And I still look to these men and strive to be like them. But as you grow older and as I continue and get to my feet wet in the ministry and learn and working with people, you learn that men are always going to let you down. And I remember in Bible college, a man that I really looked up to and tried to preach like him and, and walk like him and talk like him and really emulated and, and watching as he kind of uh, fell out of the picture and realizing the hard truth that, man, men are always going to let me down. But there is one person that if I pattern my life after, if I strive to be like, that will never let me down. I could put all the chips in, I could put all my stocks in, and that's Jesus Christ, because he's never going to let me down. And as Christians, as uh, church-going believers, if we want to be the best husband, we want to be the best wife, we want to be uh, the best brother or sister or teacher or worker, whatever it is, then the person who we need to be following after, the person whose path we need to be going in the same direction as, is Jesus Christ. 
And that's why I love Philippians chapter 2, because if you look in verse 5, the word mind in verse 5, it means in the Greek to have the opinion of, have the sentiment of, or to earnestly go in a certain direction. And so the Bible says, let this mind, the mind or direction, be in us. The direction that Jesus went in his time on earth, let it be in us. Let us follow it. Let us pattern ourselves after it. Because at the end of the day, he's the one who will never leave us. He'll never fail us. We can learn how to be a better Christian and fill in the blank, whatever we want to be, by patterning ourselves after him. And that's why I love Philippians chapter 2. Because it tells you, let this mind be in you. It says, go in that direction, follow the pattern of Jesus Christ, be like he was. But then it doesn't just leave you hanging and, you know, Paul keeps writing. No, he gives you the breakdown of what Jesus did on earth and how we can take those same principles and truths and apply them to our lives so that we can be like Jesus Christ. And that's why these verses are some of my favorite. What I want to do tonight is look at what Paul lists, what Jesus did, and break those down, and how we can pattern ourselves after Jesus Christ. Number one, you notice, we'll read verse uh, 5, we'll start again there. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But number one, it shows us here, he made himself of no reputation. Made himself of no reputation. What is that saying there? It's saying that Jesus Christ emptied himself. Oftentimes I would memorize this passage in high school or in college and would read it and study it. And for the first time when I was reading it the other day, I realized that Paul put that as one of the first things when he talks about Jesus. Talks about made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself. And I don't think that That's not an accident. I think he put that there at the top of the list. Why? Because in my opinion, it's the key. It's humility. One of the main things that are going to hinder us from being like Christ and having a sincere, devout relationship with him is pride. And so we're challenged here with, hey, you want to be like Christ? Then the first thing you need to do is empty yourself. You see, we say that word pride and it goes one ear and out the other. We've heard sermons out of it before, but The sad truth is pride exists in every single one of us, and it keeps us from being effective Christians, but more importantly, in my opinion, it hinders us from having a relationship with Christ. It hinders us of having a sincere, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and getting him to know at the same level that Paul and John and different men that we look to that say, hey, they know the Lord. Hey, we can have that same thing in our life, but so often, whether we realize it or not, the thing that keeps us from that is pride. If I can illustrate that for you briefly tonight in the Old Testament, and I'm going somewhere with this, so just follow along, but in the Old Testament, we read about the tabernacle and uh, the Israelites, how they would have their tabernacle, and uh, within the holy place or within the tabernacle, there was an inner room that was called the holies of holies, the most holy place, and that was God's special dwelling place in the midst of his people. No ordinary person could enter it. That's where the presence of God was. And in that tabernacle, a thick curtain separated, when you first walked in the entrance there, the Holy of Holies, it separated that entryway from the holy place. This curtain was known as the veil. It was a thick curtain made of, you know, fine linen and yarn and, and all that stuff. And it separated the entrance from where the presence of God was. And the word veil in Hebrew, it means a screen, a divider or a separator that hides. 
So what was that curtain hiding? And again, I'm going somewhere. Let's just follow along. Essentially, it was shielding a holy, perfect God from sinful man. And so that veil was there in the tabernacle. And whoever entered into the Holy of Holies, that, that room, when they went into that room, after they removed that veil, they were entering the very presence of God. And not anyone could just walk into that room. It would have to be one day a year, the high priest would come and he would have to wash his hand, wash himself and wear special clothing and he would have to have a incense that would burn so that his eyes really were, it was not completely visible seeing God because if anyone just walked in there and was among the presence of God, they would immediately die. So the picture of the veil was that of a barrier between man and God. And it was showing man that the holiness of God could not be trifled with. God's eyes are too pure to look on evil and he could tolerate no sin. But what happened when Jesus died on the cross and offered the ultimate blood sacrifice is that veil was torn in half. That veil that separated us from access to God, that separated us from the presence of God, it was torn in half. And now if we are, if we are saved and Jesus is in our heart, then we have direct access to God. We have direct access to his presence. We don't need a high priest. We don't need a priest to go to God before us anymore. We have direct access to him. That veil is torn. So the question therein lies, if that veil is torn and we have direct access now to God, why do so many Christians not have that sincere, intimate, deep relationship with God? Well, it's because we start to build another veil in our hearts. And that veil is one of pride. A.W. Tozer called it self-life. Say, what does that mean? It's something that we hide. It's something that we rarely talk about. But what we're talking about tonight is meant for the Christian who really wants to be like Christ, who really wants a relationship with him. And the sad thing is, is this self-life, this pride that we build in our hearts, this veil, just like the veil that separates us from God, but then God removed because he died on the cross, we build the same veil of pride in our hearts. And it keeps us from having a relationship with God. And the sad thing is, it's not something that we do. It becomes something that we are. Say, what do you mean? Self-righteousness, self-pity, self-confidence, self-sufficiency, self-admiration, self-love. They become so a part of us that we fail to recognize them until God's light and presence is shown on them. You say, well, once we're saved, isn't that it? We have the victory. The Spirit of God lives in us. Yeah, but the old man lives in us too. And it's a constant battle. That's why Paul said, I died Daily. I die daily. And so we come in and and the sad thing is, is that this veil of self and pride that we put in our hearts that keeps us from having access to a holy God and having a relationship with him. The sad thing is, is that this self life, as A.W. Tozer calls it, sometimes it flourishes more in the church house than it would down at the bar room. Say, well, what do you mean? Man, you could see uh, different people uh, patting you on the back and, and good job. And hey, you're in church three times a week and it eases your conscience and it makes you feel good about yourself. And this self-confidence and this self-righteousness is built up within you. You say, I'm in church. That can't be happening. But all along, this veil is being built in your heart. You see pastors and uh, preachers, and I could fall victim to this myself, who after a sermon, good job. Way to, way to preach. You're the man. And you had a great crowd and you did awesome. And What's going on? Self-confidence, self-righteousness, all this stuff is building in my heart, and this veil is being in my heart. It's keeping me from direct access. It's keeping me from a relationship with God. But what we must get rid of if we're going to walk with God and be like him is this self-life, is this veil of pride. It's essential. 
You know, we have to take it. We have to nail it to the cross. And sometimes nailing it to the cross hurts. It's bloody. It's painful. It's not easy. But A.W. Tozer said this, the cross is rough. The cross is deadly. But the cross is effective. And when you take that self-life and you take that pride and you nail it to the cross and you say, God, just uh, I want to be honest. I want to open up. Show me what I need to do to have a relationship with you. God says, okay, you need to empty yourself. Let this mind be in you. Empty yourself. That's what Jesus Christ was. He was full of humility, emptied himself of everything. And if you want to be like Christ, and if you want to have a relationship with Christ, it is pivotal, it is important that you examine your heart tonight. You examine your soul tonight. Is there any pride? Is there any veil that's being built up in your heart of pride? And tear it down. Nail it to the cross. Give it to God so that you can have full direct access and relationship with him. That's why I think it's no accident that Paul starts us here. He says, you want to be like Christ? Empty yourself. Get rid of the pride. Get rid of the pride. Get rid of the pride. Tear the veil down and get hold of God. But not only does he say, let this mind be in you and talks about emptying himself If you look in the same verses, chapter 2, verse 7, but he made himself of no reputation, and then it says this, and he took upon him the form of a servant. You want to be like Jesus Christ tonight, you want to follow his pattern, learn to serve and love people. And I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight because I love our church because essentially all you hear, the core members of our church, that's what we do every single Sunday morning. But we have to notice and we have to realize that's not just the pastor's job. It's not just someone in the ministry's job to serve and love people. No, it's all of our job. People who we're at the store and we get impatient with, hey, we got to serve and love them. Bus kids, as they come in off the bus and, yeah, they can be annoying and, yeah, they can talk in church. And, yeah, I got firsthand this morning when I'm preaching, I'll sit in the front row and get up and walk down the aisle. And uh, now I know the feeling. The pastor tells me about the kids who do that. (laughs) But it's about loving them. It's about serving them. It's about having patience with them. You know, the waiter, the gas attendant, the cashier we see every week. Have we ever gave them a track? Have we ever told them about the gospel? Have we ever invited them to church? Your coworker, And that's part of being like Jesus, is serving and loving people. You know, this morning I was running around and we were making sure all our bases were covered and, you know, everything was good. And to be honest with you, and I admit this, I know I probably shouldn't, but to be honest with you, I forgot that. Even though I was doing the Sunday morning service, I was preaching or I was teaching the teen Sunday school class for the boys and I completely forgot about it and, you know, I'm worried about what's going on and is everything perfect and is everything in place and is everything covered and all worried about myself and what's going on. And I took a moment to talk to those fellas up there and uh, I said, you know, here's what we're going to do, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not prepared for the lesson and I... But I want to talk to you this morning. I want to go around. There's about six high school guys there. I want to go around, and I want you to tell me when you got saved, tell me the story behind it, and tell me, you know, just give me your, give me your testimony. And if you don't remember, if you don't remember, just say, I don't know, Brother Zach, and we'll go right by you. I said, all right. So we started. Jason Leach was in the corner and told me the story. And he was at Northeast, right here at our church. And in Sunday school class, he was led to the Lord. Most of you guys know Victor. And he knew the story. I was surprised. Hey, last October, my pastor uh, brought me down, and I, and I accepted Christ. And uh, this kid named Ryan, he said, yeah, he said, Brother Joey, two years ago when I first came to church, he's like, it was Pizza Sunday. So he remembered that. And uh, he said, took me in the stairwell, and he led me to the Lord. And then I got to one fellow who's, who's been coming, I told you about at the beginning of the service, named Stephen. And he said, I'm not sure. And so we told Stephen, gave Stephen the gospel and gave him uh, the Romans road and how he can be saved. And for the first time in my life, when Stephen first came to church, 
He came to church because over on Spring Street there, I play basketball with those guys sometimes on Saturdays. And he was the man. Victor would always tell me about Stephen's the man. You, uh, you think you're a good brother, Zach? Wait till Stephen comes out and plays basketball with us. He knows how to ball, man. He's good. He's, he's the man. And so Stephen always had this, you know, cocky way about him. And all the kids, like, you know, were in fear of him when he came. And he came to church three weeks ago. And Stephen, most of you know, he's the guy with that curly blonde hair. He actually shaved it off now, but you probably recognize him if I tell you that. And I gave him the uh, salvation plan. And Stephen stood up in that, in that teen house, and I saw Stephen just start to break down, saw him get wet-eyed, and start, start, start to cry as he's asking Jesus to come into his heart. And I realized that everything that's going on, and is everything perfect, and everything good, and this and that, at the end of the day, as long as we're serving and loving people, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. My problems, what's going on with me, when you start to serve and love people, all that stuff, it's, it's easy to, to be humble when you start to work with people. It's easy to kill pride when you start to work with people because you realize my problems, my issues, they don't matter. They don't matter. You see the people last week at the Sunday dinner. You see some of the homes of the people that me and Catherine and uh, the bus workers visit with on Saturday, that, where they come from and how they just accept dysfunction like it's normal. And it blows your mind and you work with these people and you serve these people and you love these people and you realize... My problems are nothing. And if we're going to be like Jesus tonight, if we as Northeast Baptist Church are going to follow his pattern and his direction, it's going to be number one, emptying ourselves. The key, the most important thing, emptying ourselves of our pride. But number two, serving and loving people. Christ served and loved people. He didn't care who they were. No money, a lot of money. They loved him. They hated him. They served him. They bashed him. They praised him. They gossiped about him. He still served and loved him. Let us follow his pattern tonight. But number three... Notice in Philippians chapter 2, but he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. And don't notice there at the end of verse 7, and was made in the likeness of men. Now, different commentators will tell you different things, but here, in my opinion, we find that Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, is assuming now a more humble rank and position, if that even makes sense. Here he is in heaven next to God the Father, creator of the world, holy, perfect, in heaven with God, and now is coming down from his throne and he's made in the likeness of men. And for a moment there, he's hiding all his glory. He's hiding, he's hiding that he's all God. Don't get me wrong. He was 100% God, 100% man when he was on earth. But that was hidden for a short time as he became in the likeness of men. He ate our food. He wore our clothes. He walked among us. He walked among the sinner. We talked about this morning the lady at the well that he brushed shoulders with and, and spoke with. And man, he was, in my opinion, giving us the reminder of ranks, positions. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter what response, you know, how important people think that you are. You know, that's, that's, not, that's not what's important. And Jesus Christ is giving us this example. John Gill put it this way. This was Christ's own act indeed. He willingly assented to it, to lay aside, as it were, his glory for a while, to have it veiled and hid, and be reckoned anything a mere man. Oh, wondrous humility. Jesus is setting the example of Christians. He's telling us, do we want to be like him? Do we want to follow his pattern? Don't worry about rank. Don't worry about position. God's in charge of that. He'll promote who he wants to. He'll put in charge who he wants to. But that's not important. Put that aside for now. What I want you to focus on, what I want you to be like is emptying yourself of your pride, emptying yourself of your flesh, serving and loving people, 
and not worrying about rank and not worrying about position and not worrying about who's in charge. And man, I'm the man and this and that. That's not important to God. That's not important in the eyes of Christ. And the more you study the life of Christ, the more you see how humility is the common thread among all his attributes and all of his miracles and everything that he did is humility, is being humble. And this is just another form of it, not worrying about position or rank. He made himself in the likeness of men. But then we notice this, number four. We're in Philippians chapter two and verse uh, seven. And he was made in the likeness of men. And then there in the beginning of verse eight, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. There it is again. He humbled himself. Now, we already talked about this, but if you look at the context of uh, this right here, it's not talking about so much like emptying himself. Paul's not just repeating himself. But it's talking about a more of a different angle, and that's submitting himself to authority. Agree or disagree with the government. He wasn't around picketing and starting fires and flipping cars and, and uh, rioting about it. No, he submitted. Agree or disagree with the church, he didn't murmur and spread gossip. Now, sometimes it takes care of some business in the ethical, godly way he did. But he wasn't going around spreading gossip and, uh, and trying to question uh, leadership. So if the creator of the universe can come down and be a man and submit himself to authority, then the question holds, and why can't we? If God the Father, Jesus, Jesus, God's Son, can come down to earth and submit himself and be in the likeness of men and submit himself to authority, then why can't we? Why can't we? You see, tonight, we lose our pride, lose ourself, and let's decide to be like Christ and pray for and submit to our authorities in our life. Hey, instead of ridiculing or, or gossiping or saying, you know, we disagree with something, maybe pastor decides and questioning his authority. Hey, God, he's the man God's put in charge of the church. Let's pray for him. Let's back him and let's submit to authority. Hey, rather than it's so easy for all of us, and I'm guilty too, politicians and mayors and presidents and everything else, instead of ripping them apart and instead of bashing them and making posts on our Facebook page or what we agree with so everyone needs to know our opinion. Hey, instead of that, why don't we put that away, submit to the authority and pray for them. Because that's what Christ did. And that's what Christians are missing today. They're too worried about their opinion, getting it out there. We're too worried about our knowledge and what people need to believe, know what I know and social media and Twitter and Facebook and all this stuff. Well, here's my opinion. Hey, put that away and let's just submit ourselves to authority like Christ did and let's pray for them. Because that's going to make the ultimate difference. And so when it says he humbled himself, he's talking about submitting himself to authority. So again, we look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, and I'll read it again. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, I look at that verse there and obviously say, oh, he became obedient even unto the death of the cross. Okay, obey God's word, do what God says. That's, that's right, that's true. But notice it says he became obedient, and then it says even to death of the cross. Even the hardest thing that God's son ever had to do was be separated from God the Father. When he yelled on the cross, why hast thou forsaken me? For the first time ever, he was apart from his father. God the Father had to look away because of all the sin that was on Jesus Christ on that cross. And that was the hardest thing. That was the burden that he carried. So you know what I get from that? 
Yeah, you're right. Be, be obedient. Obey, obey what the Bible says. Read our Bible. Pray. Go soul winning. All stuff that we still need to practice at and do and we consider that's the easy basics of Christianity. But you know, we can't pick and choose. We also need to do the hard things. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Pray for them that talk about you and, and despise you. Those, those are hard. Those are hard things to do. So many times at work, people at work know that I'm going to go to church and know that I'm a Christian and, you know, they'll make comments and they'll do different things. And, man, it is so hard. And sometimes I fail, but it's so hard not just to open your mouth and say, listen, man, we opened up the Bible. Dude, if you don't get saved, you're going straight to hell. Like, just go right at them. But, you know, you can't do that. And the Bible says, turn the other cheek, pray for them. And those are the same people that will come up to me and ask me to pray for them when someone in their family is sick. I had a guy out of what we have like 65 technicians at True Green, and I don't even know all their names. And one guy came up to me and was like, are you Zach? I said, yeah, I had no idea who he was. He's like, hey, I heard you're a Christian. You're a preacher. I said, yes, sir. He's like, hey, I'm a Christian too, you know, letting me know. And <laughs> long I actually talked to him, and it was pretty cool. He told me that they, he helped build uh, our building here, the ad, part of the Advent uh, Church. And it says he remember uh, building our building back in the day when he was a little kid with his dad. But, you know, that's the hard thing to do. Yes, we need to obey like Jesus did. We need to obey the easy things and come to church faithfully and, and serve and so on and love. But those things that sometimes we just want to pick and choose, I don't need to do that. I'll go to church, but I'm not going to love my enemy. I'll go to church, but I'm not going to turn the other cheek when someone says something bad about me. I'm going to go right back at him. No, we want to be like Jesus Christ tonight. We need to become obedient even to the death of the cross, just like Jesus Christ was. And I urge you tonight, seek him, know him, follow him, be like him. You're not going to regret it. A few years ago, I was in college. I think it was my freshman year, and my grandfather was, uh, was pretty, not so sick yet, but he was starting the early stages, and you know, we didn't, didn't know. And so at college, I didn't get to see him a lot, and so I decided you know, I was going to write him a letter and uh, just thank him for um, everything that he's done and being a rock for our family and building a foundation that I could build my life on and so on. And I remember writing that to my grandpa, and I remember the letter he gave back to me, and I have it at my house. I wish I brought it tonight so I could read it to you for word for word. But he said to me, you know, Zachary, in essence, this was what he told me. He said, the people this, that this world remembers most are those who forget about themselves and serve and love their fellow man. And I remember reading that and thinking, man, here's a man who got it. Here's a man who loved the Lord, wasn't about him, wasn't about his position or his rank, wasn't walking around putting on a show that I'm so spiritual and I'm so humble. No, just be real about it and just strive to be like Christ. Say, hey, men are going to let us down, but Jesus never. Follow him. Follow his example. Let his mind or direction of life be the same mind and direction in your life. Empty yourself. Become a servant. Don't worry about a rank or position. Humble yourself and submit to authority and obey God in all that you do. And you'll never go wrong. Hey, God is doing a work in our church. If you were here this morning, if you've been here the past few weeks, you see how God is working and you see families joining the church and you see people getting saved and you see full buses. Hey, that stuff's not happening all around the country. God's working in our church in a great way. And he could take us to whole new heights. He could take us to a whole new level. If as the core members of our church can decide, you know what? We are going to emulate Jesus Christ. We are going to be like Jesus. We are going to follow his direction and his path and be like him. Man, if we have some Christians in Northeast Baptist Church who tear that veil of pride and self, who serve and love people, who submit to authority, who obey God's word and seek him and have a relationship with him, man, we're going to see God do even greater things in our church. 
We're going to see God use us to impact our city in an even greater way than he already has. And we're going to see three, four, five buses. And we're going to see more people and more Sunday school classrooms and more converts and more people getting baptized. But it starts right here at the core body of believers seeking Christ, knowing Christ, and following his direction. I pray that you would look into Philippians chapter 2. I urge you to go back and read that passage, do some study for uh, study on your own about what Paul is telling us there. And I pray that that will be a help to you tonight. Why don't we stand?